you're a guest with us here at Central, we are honored that you're here. If you're uh, watching with us at Church Online on Facebook, we're so excited that you're a part of us through that. Today we are going to wrap up a series that we've been in for the last four weeks that I know has been a tremendous blessing to me and I hope has been a blessing to you. We just called it Pray. Very simple. Looking through some of the Bible and seeing what the Bible has to say about prayer. Um, week one, if you've missed any of these, I encourage you to go back on Facebook, watch it, and uh, because there's been some really good insight in terms of what the Bible has to say. Uh, week one, we looked at being strengthened with power, and we're going to kind of cross over and touch on that a little bit more today, but, but that lesson was all in regards to we have these little, uh, these simple, very generic prayers that we pray, and, and God intends for us to pray with power, that our prayer life should be bolstered with power that we can find through Jesus Christ. Then we looked at praying for evangelism and for evangelistic opportunities, that, that there are people in our life that do not know the love of Jesus. And we pray sometimes that, God, will you give me an opportunity to tell them what I already know? But, but are we really ready to, to, to take those opportunities when they get here? And, and then we looked at growing in unity and how powerful unity is as Christians and in the church. That was last week. This week, we're going to wrap it all up, because we've been talking this whole time about praying. And so I wanted to end it with this week is pray, am I doing it right? I wanted to look at, because this is a question that I get, and I know a lot of us have thought at one point in our life, maybe more often than we care to admit, am I praying right? Am I doing it right? Is God really hearing what I have to say. When I petition God with the things going on in my life, how can I know that I'm doing it the way that, that God would have me to do it? So, so the way that we're going to look through this is we're going we're gonna to look at a lot of scripture this morning, but if you don't have a note sheet, I'd encourage you to grab one on the way out. All of the references um, are going to be on that sheet if you want to go back and reread them later uh, so you don't have to jot all this down as we go. But I want to look through a couple verses, a couple prayers, um, a few in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, and then I want to get very practical on how do we pray. Am I doing it right? We're going to look at a couple bad prayer habits that a lot of us have that we want to kind of steer away from, but then I want to end with three good prayer habits that I want to challenge you to see if this won't help bless your prayer life moving forward. And then I thought it was fitting, we're talking about prayer, I'd like to end this sermon series with a prayer. And I'd encourage you, we're, we're going to pray for all of the things that we've been talking about through this series. But look with me in Psalms chapter 34 and verse 17. Psalm 34 and 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. This is a psalm. This is, this is talking to God. This can be sung. And this is saying, when, when the righteous pray. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, I'm not righteous. I'm not in the righteous category. This isn't talking about me. But I'll remind you that, that none of us, according to our own selves, are righteous. All this means is that God is looking at us through the lens of his son, Jesus. And that when we become a child of his, we take on Jesus' likeness, not our own. So when you're thinking about righteousness, don't think about what we're doing, but think about the image that Jesus has given us. He's given us a title. He's given us a designation as holy, not because of what we do, because we mess up all the time. 
But when we accept Jesus, when we're baptized, have our sins washed away, something new happens. When the righteous pray to God, he hears and delivers us out of the things that we have going on. Do we believe this? Jeremiah chapter 29 says, Then you will call upon me, your Bible might say, when you pray to me, you call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. Jeremiah chapter 29 is an incredible section of scripture because in Jeremiah's time, Jeremiah was just a prophet who was guiding God's people and God's people had gotten really goofy and gotten way off track and and didn't believe that God was still the God that created the earth and and that God was with them. And so God basically sent them into slavery and said, fine, if you don't trust me, if you don't believe in me, here you go. And Jeremiah had been pleading with God and saying, God, take us back. I know we messed up, but we'll do better. And so God finally says, if you will call on me, if you will pray to me, I will hear you. This is an incredible application for you and me because we make mistakes. We fall. We mess up. There are times where we're just like the Israelites in Jeremiah 29. We mess up. We have things in our life we're not proud of. And we think, God, are you going to listen? I promise you, the Israelites in Jeremiah's time have done a whole lot of bad. And God's saying, if you will pray, I'm still going to hear you. I'm still going to listen to you, and I'm still going to deliver you, if you will take that step and pray to me. And then lastly, I want to look in Matthew chapter 11. This This right here is, in my opinion, one of the most incredible promises that we have in Scripture and one that you should infuse into your prayer life on a daily basis. God tells us, he says, Come to me, all who are who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Guys, that's a promise from God. This is not me coming up here and saying this. This is the word of God saying, if you have things going on, if you are, are laboring, you, you're, you're frustrated, you're, you're struggling, if you will come to me, I will provide you with that rest. What an incredible thing that we're offered by our God. We see some of these prayers, and we still ask ourselves, I get that Jeremiah can pray. I understand the psalmist and David can pray, but how can I? Am I doing it right? Am I in 2019 praying correctly? I want to answer that question this morning, and I want you to walk away with a confidence knowing that, that, that the way you are praying is, in fact, connecting to your Creator and your Father. If you look in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, Matthew 6, starting in verse 5, it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. I love this section of scripture, and if you take nothing else away, you take Matthew 6. Because you're asking the question, am I praying right? Look at what Jesus is talking about in regards to prayer. Now we're going to kind of reverse engineer this because he's talking about 
the way the Pharisees and the Sadducees are doing it wrong. But I want you and I to look at what he is saying by saying they're doing it wrong. He's telling us what is right. He's saying they're doing it wrong by going out on the street corners and doing it for everybody else to see. He's saying if you go into your room in secret and pray to your father, he will hear you and reward you in secret. But then he goes on to say these people use all of this flowery language in the scripture, says they heap up empty words that that they're going to receive their reward based on the way that they're speaking. Because I know if you're like me, you've thought this before. I'm not saying the right things. I'm not saying it in the right way. I'm not a, I don't know enough Bible to be able to pray to God. But guys, if you notice here in Matthew, he, it's saying the opposite. It's saying God knows what you need before you know that you need it. It's not about what you say. In fact, it has nothing to do with your words, how you say it, the way you go about it. It's talking about the way you're connecting with your creator and father. The way that your heart is reaching out to God. Other places in scripture, it tells us that that we don't have to speak, that God knows our heart already. And it says here that he knows what we need before we even know it. So we're going to look at some practices that will help improve our prayer life. But if you're wondering, am I praying right I'll offer you two things. God knows what you need before you need it. And it doesn't matter what you say or how you go about it. In fact, we're going to look here in a moment about how God tells us to pray whenever. That, that If you remember the story of the Samaritan woman, Jesus says there's going to come a time where praying at the temple and praying in Jerusalem isn't going to matter. That time is now. He's come. He's died. We're able to pray anywhere at any time to our Father. We don't have to know what to say. He knows what we need. Before we knew it, we before we even need it, our only thing that God asks of us is that we open our heart and let God in, and God will help us with the rest. So I hope that if you take nothing else away, that, that some of the pressure of am I praying right is removed, knowing that God knows your need before you need it. Need it. Acts 15 and verse 8, and God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He knows our heart. He knows what we need. It's not about our words. It's not a matter, it's not a matter of, am I, am I praying at the right time? Am I praying at the right place? Am I in the right posture? Do I know the right words? That does not matter. In fact, those are the things that the Pharisees were worrying about, and Jesus said, you're doing it wrong. I'm going to condemn you for doing it that way. It's not about that at all. How to pray. And so I want to look at at two bad habits, but then I want to end on some really good ones. First is we stick to what is comfortable. We stick to what is comfortable. This is where we're going to cross over just a little bit into our first um, message in this series of praying and power. Because I told you, I said, we pray these, these comfortable small prayers that we know by heart, and this is what we stick to. So I have a challenge for you that I should have issued the week one and didn't, but I want you to consider this this week. I want you to to make a small journal, uh, or, or even just do it on your phone, open up notes, whatever, but make a small list of when you pray, be honest, be brutally honest, and record as the times that you say certain phrases. You might say when when you're praying for somebody else, 
you probably have a set way that you pray this, a cadence that you go about doing it. We all do. My challenge for you is take a few days, maybe Monday, Tuesday, and record what, what are the things that I say most often in my prayer life. And then for the rest of the week, I want you to pray and exclude anything on that list. So whatever you're praying, the words that you're saying most often, I want you to exclude those because I want you to get outside of your comfort zone. Not that any of the phrases on your list are going to be wrong or bad, but you don't have to think as much about those, and it's what's comfortable. So my challenge, look and pray and go outside your comfort zone. Pray in ways that you've never prayed before. Pray for things you've never prayed before in ways that you've never done it, and I think your prayer life will be blessed. We, we, we tend to get in a bad habit of sticking to what's comfortable. Secondly, we use inactive prayers. We use inactive prayers. What's that even mean? So many times, and, and I know that I fall in this trap more often than I care to admit, but we use prayer as kind of a substitute for action. Case in point. We, we might say, well, we've got people in our congregation that are ill. So we say, okay, I'm going to pray to God that they get better. But we stop there. Instead of saying, I'm going to pray that God works on, on their behalf and heals them, but I'm also going to go another step, and I'm going to go visit them, and I'm going to bring them some soup and things to help get them better. We use prayer as an inactive way to participate in ministry. When in reality, God wants us to use prayer, but only as a supplication, as an addition to the things that we're already doing. Let's look together in James chapter 2. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if if it does not have works, is dead. We tend to stick to these inactive prayers. We say, man, I have such and such. I have person A, B, and C in my life. They don't know Jesus yet. God, I hope that they come to know your son. But when we're given opportunities to share that with them, we completely let it pass by. Are we praying inactive prayers? Or are we going to be bold and courageous and move into the realm of active prayers? That we're going to pray and accompany them with action. But now I want to transition to, to, to how we're going to grow. Those are just a few of the things that all of us deal with from time to time. I deal with them, you deal with them. We all struggle with those at some time. But this is what I really want us to focus on. What are we going to do today to improve our prayer life. We've already looked and found that, that God is, does not care about necessarily the how we pray or when we pray or things like that. We know that pressure's off. But I want to look at some habits that will help benefit your prayer life moving forward. The first one is pick a time and a place. Pick a time and a place. So many times we let scripture and we let prayer fall by the wayside. 
we think, okay, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really get into prayer this week and I'm going to do it at this time and this time. But the truth is, and there's nothing wrong with this, we have lives, we have jobs, we have spouses, we have kids, we have soccer practice, we have basketball games, we have things that happen that just get in the way. So my challenge is, is pick a time and a place that becomes set in your schedule that this is going to be a time that I'm going to devote to prayer. Now, a couple of Wednesday nights ago, I challenged you to a very lofty goal of praying 10 extra hours in prayer over a given week. It, it, we were looking at the way Jesus prayed over a night and things. I'm not going to ask you to do that again. But I do want you to pick a time and a place, even if it's only, God, I'm going to give you five uninterrupted minutes. Maybe that's all you have to spare right now. But you say every day at this time, at this place, maybe it's on the way to work. Maybe it's during your lunch break. Maybe it's at night. But you say, at this time, at this place, I'm going to give you my undivided attention, and I'm going to pray. If we look in Scripture, in John chapter 4, this is the, the, the story I referenced earlier, the, the woman at the well. John chapter 4, starting in verse 21, it said, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem Will you worship the Father? You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. You know, sometimes I think we get it in our minds that to, to pray to God, to give God prayer time, we either have to be in this building, we either have to be at, at, gathered around a meal, or we have to be laying in bed. I think, I think a lot of us treat prayer as if it doesn't fall in those three places, then, then it's not the correct time to pray. But you notice the Samaritan woman who was not a follower of Jesus by any means. She was on husband number five. She was a Samaritan. I mean, she had a lot going on. And Jesus said, no, no, no. There's going to come a time. The time is now when worshiping, it won't be on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Where, which, which, of course, to the Jews was, was the place to go and worship. He said, that's going to all cease to exist. You're going to be able to worship my Father at any time, in any place. So when we're talking about picking a time and a place, if your time and your place is in your car on the way to work, use it. If your time is preparing dinner at night, use it. If your time is your lunch break, use it. God gives us the, the privilege to get to pray and connect to Him 24-7, 365, no matter what. It's not on the mountain. It's not in Jerusalem. It's any time that we want to connect to our Father, we're able to. Ephesians 6 and 18, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Prayer is supposed to be a constant part of our life. Now, I know we read that and we think, I don't, I don't have time to pray all the time. But what we're really getting at here is that prayer should be a constant part of your life. Now, it may only be that you can offer God, say, God, I, I've got this amount of time to give you today. I've got this amount of time to give you tomorrow. I've got this amount of time. But the, the idea is that time will always be there. And ideally, it will grow. 
Matthew 6 and verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. There's not a perfect time and a place. All God is asking is saying, if you pray, I want you to connect with me and I want your undivided attention. That's what it's saying. Go into your room in secret, not for other people to see, but for you to connect to God and to have that time. Number two, prioritize the the, the spiritual over the circumstantial. Prioritize the spiritual over the circumstantial. And I'll tell you, of the three, this one has got to be one of the most difficult, at least for me. What I mean by this is when we pray, now tell me if this sounds familiar. We sit down to pray. We may pray alone, maybe with our families, however. And we kind of start with ourselves and our family and work out. We start by saying, what, is, what do I need? What does my family need? And that is the first of our prayer requests. Then we might move to our extended family. Then we might move to our church family. Then, if we're still in the mood to pray, we might get to people outside of our church family. But it starts with the circumstantial. What is near to me at the moment? What's on the forefront of our mind right now? When in reality, God is saying, listen, I want to hear about all of those things. I want you to pray all of that to me. But there's a spiritual condition of you, of your family, of people at church, of of co-workers that you have that is of utmost importance to me. Prioritize the spiritual over the circumstantial. In 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 16, It says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Do you get what it's saying here? It's saying, listen, I know you've got concerns on earth. I know that there are bills to pay. I know there are people that are sick. I know that there are are things going on. But it's saying, even in the worst, even the worst that this earth has to offer, it's going to go away. It's going to fade away. But the spiritual is going to abide forever. So when you're in your prayer life, prioritize the spiritual over the circumstantial. Our God is big. Think big. We serve a big, big God, yet we usually pray small, small prayers. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, Steve Yoho mentioned this on Wednesday night, and it it stuck with me all week. I kept thinking about it and and praying on it and studying on it, and, and I love it. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. It means if we're a Christian, we are not limited by the things that our mind can think of. I want you to think for a moment, what is the biggest prayer that you have prayed recently? What is the largest prayer, the biggest ask of God that you have mentioned in a prayer recently? Have you ever thought to pray? I I looked this up the other day because, of course, we're connected to India in a real way. And India has over a billion people, and the number is growing. But at at the last I could find, has 28 million Christians, which sounds like a lot until you juxtapose that with 1.2 billion people. It's a little over, right at 1%, something like that. There means that, that there are literally 
billions of people in India that do not know Jesus Christ, that do not know God the Father. Have you ever thought to pray to the scale to say, God, I pray that the nation, the country of India comes to know your son? Not just, I hope that Roy's individual mission is successful. I hope that that this one particular thing that we're praying about is successful. But you're saying, God, I have the faith that you're big enough to do all of this and then some. Our God is big. Are we praying big? I think for a lot of us, the answer is no. But my challenge for you is to incorporate that in this week. Matthew 17 and verse 20. He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, for nothing will be impossible for you. That is a promise to Christians, saying, if you believe in me, then there is nothing that is impossible to you. Our God is big, think big. Philippians 4 and verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything. What's amazing, and I put it in this order for this particular reason, we just read the story of the mustard seed where God is saying, listen, if you follow me, nothing is impossible. Ephesians 3 says that that God can do abundantly more than we could ever even hope or think. We serve a God that is that big Yet he tells us in Philippians 4 that everything that we need, all the, even the little things that, that, that in, in the scope seem small, God is saying, I'm big enough to do all of this massive things, but I love you enough to deal with you on a personal level. I love you enough to deal with the things that are unique to you. The struggles that you have, that your family has, the health issues that you're going through. I can do the work in India and come and deal with you on a one-on-one basis. That is what Philippians 4 reminds us of. That's the God that we serve. Matthew 7 and verse 9 through 11, as we close. For which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven Give good things to those who ask him. He's saying, listen, even evil people know how to bless their children. And if I am in heaven and and am that much more capable, imagine what I will give to those who love me and ask me to help them. I hope this series on prayer has been a blessing to you. I hope your prayer life has become more robust. I hope it has become more consistent. I hope that your relationship with God has grown because of your prayer life. That's the way it's supposed to be. God says, you know, I I want to connect to you. I want to hear from you. You're my children. I hope that, that, that we are growing together in prayer. This morning, if you're not a Christian, if you're not connected to God, the way that we've talked about over these last four weeks, make that choice this morning. Make that choice to become a child of His to be baptized, to have your sins washed away, and to start over and to start with an incredible prayer life that you get to connect to the creator of the universe and lay all of your burdens at his feet. But if you are already a Christian, 
And maybe there's something in your life that, that is, is weighing you down, that is a burden to you, that you need to, to the help and the support of this congregation to get off your chest, and you need to deliver it to God and say, God, I need you to take care of this because I can't handle it. We'd love to offer you the support and the prayers uh, this morning. If you have any need, would you come and make it known as we stand and as we sing?